You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we're talking about victory verses. Man, I have just been absolutely so excited about preparing these messages. In fact, I've kind of come to this conclusion that I could spend the next, the, the entire year in this sermon series. Because, you know, the truth is there are, uh, Scripture is so great. I mean, all of it is profitable. And there's so much of God's Word that, that ministers and speaks to me. But I'm, I'm noticing now that I'm focusing on, 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 on singular verses in passages that oftentimes there is a verse that seems to be more profitable than others. It's a verse that, that illuminates truth and, and just sort of brings the truth to a place of almost explosion in my heart. It's a dynamite verse. I'm I'm really defining the verse as scripture that changes everything. I mean, this changes it all. I mean, when you get this, it, it, it makes a difference in how you look at things in that area of your life. For instance, last week we talked about Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 20. And I've got that verse on the screen just to remind you that what someone meant for evil, that remember now, God meant it for good. This week already, on a number of occasions, I've been able to say that, use that, share that. Because God's exploded that in my heart. That that life-changing scripture, that victory verse has begun to mean so much more to me now that I understand it, especially in the context of Joseph's life and how we discussed that last week. So these victory verses are going to have a a major impact, I pray, on our lives. Well, this morning is victory verse number two. So let's look, if you would, I want to give you a little context. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Would you do that? And as you look at Deuteronomy 28, uh, we're going to lead up to the verse. We're going to work our way to the verse. It's not going to take us long to get there. But here's what I need you to do, church. I need you to be willing to dive into the scriptures with me. I need you to be willing to say, you know what, for the next five minutes, I'm not going to depend on Eric Capace's energy to keep me in tune. Come on now. That's right. You shouldn't do that anytime, but I know sometimes we do that. But listen, I want you to depend on the Holy Spirit of God to tune you into his word right now. And let's understand the context before we get to the victory verse. Look at verse 1 of Deuteronomy 28. Moses here is at the end of his life. He is addressing God's people, and he says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Moses says here, listen, here's what's going to happen. If you obey God's commands. God says, I'm going to, I'm, if you'll do this, then, then I'm going to do this. Look at verse two. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. Now drop down to verse 15 of that chapter. But here's that word again. But if you will not obey the voice of of the Lord your God, or, or even just be careful, just just be careful 
to do all of his commandments and his statutes that I command you today. Then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. All right, so it's pretty clear. Let's move to chapter 29 now. Let's move closer to that victory verse. Look at verse 1, shall we? Chapter 29. These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he had made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. You've seen it all. You've even seen the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, etc. Drop down to verse 10. You are standing today, all of you before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, the sojourner who is in the camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, so that you may enter into the sworn covenant of the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is making with you today, that he may establish you today as his people, that he may be your God as he promised you, and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Wow. Boy, it's clear. God is very clear here in, 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 in what he's saying. Look at verse 18. He then transitions and says, Beware. I'm give you a warning. Lest there be any among you, maybe a man or even a woman or clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord your God to go to serve the gods of those nations, beware. Beware lest there be among you a root-bearing, poisonous, and bitter fruit. Pay close attention to that. There is bitterness entering into the text. There it is, right there. Now, what is this bitterness? It's described in the very next phrase. One who, when he hears the words of this one covenant, this is somebody who, who, when he hears it, here's how he responds. He blesses himself in his heart. And he says, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Look at verse 24, getting closer to the victory verse. All the nations will say, here's what they'll say. Wait a minute. What's going on? Why has the Lord done this? What caused the heat of the great anger? Then people will say, it's because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land, bringing upon it all the curses written in the book. And the Lord, verse 28, uprooted them from their land in anger and fury and great wrath and cast them into another land as they are this day. Period. End of story. That's it. Done deal. There it is. Hmm. Wow. Well, God, I've got some questions. I mean, that's all. I, I want to talk to you just a little bit about some of these things. Why are you doing this? And why is this happening? I mean, God, surely you've got some explanation. 
And God says, no, that's it. That's it. Either do what I say, or this happens, or don't do what I say, and this happens. No, that, that's it. No explanation. But God, you know, you understand. I want to know why this and this and that. Now the secret, now the, now the victory verse. Look at it. The secret things, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now, why is that my victory verse this morning? Because that verse, my friend, gives us great assurance of something that we're going to find out this morning that changes everything. First of all, let's talk about these secret things, shall we? Number one, let's just take those words, the secret things. These are things that happen to us. These are things in our lives, in our church family, that we experience that are very painful not to know why it was allowed. This happened to us. This happened to our children. Maybe this happened to a friend or a family member or our marriage or whatever. And what happens is when these painful experiences take place, it hurts us when we are not allowed to know why it happened. And I want to say this this morning, as we build the foundation of this message, that in many instances, we are not going to know why in this life ever. Ever. Now, we will, we're told in Scripture, we will know in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but there's coming a day when we'll see face to face. For now, I, I know I know little, not, not much, I don't understand, but, but, but then I shall know even as I'm known. God knows me fully. God knows everything about me. God is not surprised about any of the instances or experiences that have happened in my life. He knows fully why it's all happened, but I don't. Let me ask you a question. How much does God know? Does God know you fully? Yes or no? Yes. He fully knows you. And one day when we get to heaven, we'll understand like God does. But for now, there's just answers that we do not know. And the Bible calls them secret things. It's the hidden parts of life. Not available of knowing by any means. Can't find out. Period. End of story. You know, there are many things that we can know. God calls it wisdom, right? And God gives us wisdom. First of all, we can get wisdom sometimes in regard to the trials that we experience in life. James chapter 1 verse 5 says it like this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And God will give to you that wisdom when you ask. He'll give it to you generously. And so there's things that we can know as we go through trials, how we can endure those trials. And God leads us and guides us sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death. We get wisdom through life's experience, right? That's one of the greatest ways to learn is to experience life. And Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 that blessed is the one who finds wisdom. I mean, when you go through something, guess what happens? You get a greater understanding 
of, of, of how to maybe help someone else coming behind you or how to give advice in the future. Thirdly, we get wisdom through, through people challenging us. I mean, here's a coach that just gets up in the face of a, of a player. Here's a, a teacher who's talking to a student. Here's a mom or dad who's challenging his kids. Here's a pastor challenging his people. And Scripture says you can learn when you're challenged. Proverbs in chapter number 9 in verse 8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer. He'll hate you. But if you reprove a wise man, if there are church members this morning sitting in this congregation who, who are wise, they will take the reproof and the rebuke of God's word this morning and leave with a smile on their face and say, Man, I'm better for it. I've been challenged. So we get wisdom from God in those areas of our lives. But what I have found to be true is that the hardest part of hardship is duration. It's the hardest part. It's just how long sometimes it lasts. It's really not what happens to me. I'll be okay. It's really not who's involved in it. And it's not when it happens. But the hardest part of hardship is how long is this going to last? When will my prodigal come home? It's been so long. When will my finances actually not fail? How long will my loneliness last? How long will my healing be delayed? And that's the 40,000 foot view, isn't it? Kind of the, the wind or the... How long? But when you sit across the table from someone you love and you're trying to help and you're sharing a cup of coffee and diving in deep, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's why. Why? When is a question that you ask when you've given up on why? If we knew why it was happening... You see, we wouldn't be nearly as concerned about how long it lasted. Why? It's the question that hits the hardest. It's the question that lasts the longest. And it's the question that hurts the most. It's the question that eats away and chips away at authentic faith. It's why there are people that are not sitting here this morning that at one time did. But they're just not satisfied with not knowing why. God's cruel. God's mean. God's ugly. God doesn't know what's best. He hasn't told me why. And so I'm home this morning. Why? It's just not easy not knowing why. In the story of Job, God allows Satan to take away from Job his, his family. His children all died. Ten children gone. In the story of Job, God allowed Satan to take his riches, his, all of his wealth, gone. All of it. In the story of Job, God allowed Satan to take his health. And there Job sits in an ash heap, scraping his wounds, just having attended the funeral of all ten of his children. At one time, his wife has divorced him. He has nothing. And we see the first question out of Job's mouth in Job chapter 3 and verse 11. Why? God, why did I not just die at birth? Why did I just come out from 
the womb and, and expire. Are you serious, God? Really? So this is it. Why? The test comes back positive. We want to know, why cancer? There's been an accident. Huh. Somebody's being med flighted that we love. Dad's not going to come home, sweetheart, anymore. And what does the child ask? Dad's not coming home. Why? The secret things. Kitty is in, in, in heaven this morning. Yesterday at 6.43, Kitty went to heaven. If you were at Winter Jam, Kitty went to heaven when new song was singing, Arise, my love. Arise, my love. The grave no longer has a hold. You know, my wife was sick unto death at one time, and God let her live. Kitty's been sick, and God took her. Why? I want to share something intimate with you. Yesterday, I got a text from... Scott Mercer. And I want to do this. I'm hoping the lights come back on, but go ahead and click them off, just that power button, because I want you, I don't think the, the full lights just don't do right with this illustration. Just press that button. It, it, these will stay on. Boom. That power button? It's not working again? It was working before. Okay. All right. That just means we need a gift. I want to show you a picture. I got this text from Scott. Wait up. Don't show it yet. I got this. No, don't show it yet. Thank you. I got this text from Scott yesterday. Scott Mercer. Hey, preacher. My cousin, Michael's wife, Rachel, took a turn for the worst. This was yesterday. She is on her third and final round of radiation. There's serious side effects to this. The doctors have not given her any hope of survival. Put that picture up for just a minute. And I'm sorry about the lights. But that's Rachel. Rachel's 32 years old. That's her husband. That's a recent picture. But now the chemo has, she's gained 100 pounds. Her head is huge. Her body is blowing up because of the chemotherapy. The side effects are going to kill her. Scott talked to her for an hour and a half yesterday. And all Scott could say is, wow, she's a much better Christian than I think I could ever be. She knows her time is short. Oh, oh, let me, let me introduce you to her two small children. This is Cade and Shay. You say, preacher, why, why are you touching our heartstrings right now? Because this is a heartstring message. This is close to home for all of us. This is a victory verse. We got to get there, church. We got to get there. Why is this happening? Why, God? This don't make any sense. Are you serious, God? So you think it's best to take this mother away from her children and her husband? She's 32 years old. And this is pretty cool, God. I mean, you're doing it in a really rough way. Why? Well, let's move on. 
Let's move forward in our victory verse. The next part of the verse says this. The secret things... Anybody ever struggle with the secret thing? Amen. Any, any, everybody here more spiritual than me or you have a struggle? Thank you. All right. Good. Got a, got a dozen honest folks here today. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. So I struggle with this. I'll admit it. Been there, done that. I've struggled. Now I come to the next part of the victory. They belong to the Lord, our God. The secret things don't belong to me. They belong to God. You see, we don't have to know every why when we know the who, who knows them all. They belong to him anyway. They don't belong to us. And I'm proposing to you this morning as a way to navigate our ways through this is to say that, you know what? Not knowing the why is God's protection on my life. God's protecting me. Number one, he's protecting me from pride. Pride. Because knowledge, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, puffs up. It's amazing to me how sometimes we feel like we, we just have to know something that we really can't know, but we need to know it because it just makes us feel better that we can know something that somebody else doesn't know. And we really don't know it anyway. You ever meet a when person, crazy when Christians? Scott, I know when the Lord is coming back. March 3rd, 2021, I'm writing a book on it. You know? Scott, just look at me when I say that and say, Preacher, you're a whack job. That's what I want you to do when I say that. The when Christians, they'll drive you crazy. And then there's the why Christians, the crazy why Christians. I, I, I know why 911 happened. I figured it out. I'm going to preach on it next week. I, I'm going to preach the subject. Why AIDS is coming to the world. Or let's get personal when it really hurts. When these crazy white Christians say, I know why your husband left you. I know why your kid's a prodigal. I know why you're in financial trouble. Let's take all those crazy when and why Christians, put them in one church and let them drive themselves crazy. Truth of the matter is, is God's protecting us. Because knowledge puffs up. But you know that same verse... I think it tells us that secrets protect us from hurting others. Because the very next verse, rather not the next verse, the same verse, the second part of the verse says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You see, I don't care how much you know, I want to know how much you care about me. Don't tell me all the things you know that know more than me. I, I want to know, do, do you love me? Do you care about me? You see, sometimes I think we spend too much time rebuking our kids for what they are not doing as opposed to loving them and and, and encouraging them for what they are doing. Love builds up. Love builds up. And secrets protect us from hurting others. Number three, secrets protect us from judging God. The truth is, if we found out why, we might immediately form an opinion as to whether it was a good enough reason. So we judge God. If we knew, we might say, well, God, that's not good enough. I think that's a stupid reason, and I don't know why in the world you would do that, God. In fact, I think you should come off the phone. Let me sit up there, because I know what I'm doing, and obviously you don't. Romans chapter 9 and verse 20 says it like this. But who are you, old man? What's up with you? little ghetto language here. I live in the ghetto. What's up? Are you actually going to answer, God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? 
shall the clay say to the potter? I mean, if I, I, like, I like candles. I'm a candle lover. I love candles. My wife, not so much. I, this is my feminine side. I'm a, you want to get me some? Give me a candle. I love candles. But if I went to light a candle and the wick looked at me and said, Hey, don't light me today. I do not want to burn. I'd be like, you fixing a burn, sucker. What you tell me about, uh, not to light you? I bought you. I own you. You my candle. And sometimes I think we look up to God like, like we're better than him, like we know more than him. You see, secrets protect us from judging God. Secrets protect us from getting off our mission. Church, we are on a mission from the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know what it is? To win this world to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For the glory of God. Amen. We are here as a church family to love this community, to reach this community, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give honor and glory to God. Can I get an amen? It's our mission. And sometimes I think we get off mission when all we do is sit around a table and debate things that we think we should know. It it actually helps me to realize that God's secrets are for my protection. He is actually helping me by not telling me. This verse is getting good now. I'm starting to see this victory that God's given me here. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but let's move on. The things that are revealed. Wow. You see, what about all the things he has told us? What about all the things he has revealed to us? Hey, you're over here sulking over what you don't know, there's a lot of things you do know. Some wonderful things that God has already revealed and who has he revealed them to? Oh, these belong to us. The secret things belong to God. The revealed things belong to... Oh, this is where I come in the picture. I get to be a part of this verse. You see, there are some things that I, I do know. So much has been revealed from the word of God. And what do I need to do with those things that have been revealed to me? What do I do with what I know? Number one, enjoy it. Enjoy it. We should enjoy what's been revealed. Don't focus on what you don't know because you know a lot. God's told us a lot of things in scripture. There's some things we can rejoice about and praise God about and say, man, this is amazing. Look what God showed me. Look what God taught me. Look what God says. This belongs to me. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to enjoy this. I can't wait to get to church next Sunday and or go to small group this week and share with my group what God's showing me and sharing with me and teaching me in his word. I love 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up. Taste and see the Lord is good. He's got some things for you. He wants to share some things with you. Church, this is, this is the victory verse. To understand we may not know some things, but we do know some things. And let's trust God with what we don't know, that it's for our protection and our good truth is, if you need some things in life to make sense, it's only going to increase the suffering. That's all it's going to do. 
I'm just going to live with the impression that, wow, you know, if God's not telling me, he must have some really incredible plans to turn this for my good. He must have some plans exceedingly abundantly above all that I could figure out because I sure can't figure this out. I'm going to leave it with God and let him do above and beyond what I could ever ask or think. And I'm going to get out of this bitterness towards God. The secret things that are revealed belong to us. Notice the next phrase, and to our children forever, which brings us to the second thing we should do with what's been revealed from God's word. We should share what he has revealed. Amen. Share it with who? Why don't we start with our children, our grandchildren? Let's share it. I'll sing it. I'll tell it. Wherever I go, I want all to hear it. I want all to know. The joy of salvation that makes my heart glow. I've got things to share. I want to share it with my children. That's why Mo, Joe, Zoe, Chloe, and Glow. I've never, ever said no. One time. When it comes to go to anything that puts them underneath the word of God. I don't punish my kids from church, youth activity, Sunday school, small group, or anything where I can get them in God's word. I, I, for me, it's been crazy. It's just like I'm, I'm, I've probably overdosed my kids with God's word. I mean, it's been, you know, I used to be a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know. I mean, and, and now I'm, I'm probably more, but it's just different nights. Amen. You know, some of us got addicted to it. It had to be certain times, and now I'm just addicted to it. It needs to be all the time, you know. So I put them in a Christian school for that reason. And to me, it's, just worth, it's worth what I pay to get them under God's word. It's worth it to me. It's worth it to put my kids in Sunday school. It's worth it to put my kids in small group. And for me, it's been, it's been my kids being underneath the preaching of God's word every time. Teen camp, children's camps, teen revolution. I want them under God. I want them to be wherever. I, I, like the old-fashioned preachers, I want to I be under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen? That's old school, I know. Every now and then, old school comes out. I'm sorry. But the truth of the matter is, is I want my children... I believe it's our responsibility to give the children of gospel light every possible advantage to know the Word of God. Every possible advantage. We're about to start a children's ministry on Wednesday nights. You're going to hear about it soon. My wife and I are joining that ministry for six months. We're going to, we've been taking our Wednesday nights to be transparent with you, and we've been taking church members out to eat on Wednesday night and spending that time counseling and sharing and talking and laughing and But we're going to cut that for six months out of our schedule. And we're joining the brand new children's ministry at Gospel Light. We're going to to come alongside Joe. Because I'm afraid we're living in a a day and age where people don't want to work with children anymore. You can hardly find kids to join the children's ministry. It's like we just, anything but kids. And I think it ought to be everything. (laughs) Kids. And I say, well, you're 53. You're going to be a good children's worker? Oh, man. (laughs) Just ask my grandkids. They walk in the house. They don't go to mama. They don't go to daddy. And they don't go to nana. They go to papa. All of them. Every one of them. I love it. Because they they know. They know. Hey, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. It's the next generation. Let's let's invest our time and money. And so, Carolyn and I are joining that ministry. We're going to come alongside Joe and try to recruit you. And you. And you. Somebody sitting out here that would say... 
hey, I can't wait to get involved in that children's ministry. Now, there's some sacrifice. There's background checks. There's application. I mean, hey, in the day and age we live in, there's some things that we need to filter, yes. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people in here that could be a part of that. Could I take just a moment? And I want to I wanna be very transparent, but I don't want you to feel like I'm judging anybody in the building. I just want to say some things that have been on my heart. And he, here it is. It's interesting because what I'm going to share with you is honestly really my opinion. It's not, it's not gospel. It's not Bible. It isn't. It's just my thoughts about something that concerns me when it comes to sharing God's word. And I want to see what kind of response I might get from you, not in the service, but as you process these thoughts. I want to spend five minutes talking to you about what I believe to be a poor substitute for a Bible, and that is an electronic device. I want to share that with you. I just want to make a a case for bringing your Bible to church. Number one, I think the first reason it's a poor substitute is it's not personalized. An electronic device is, is not something that is as personalized as the Bible. You know, if you were to look at my Bible, I love it because I get to write notes in my Bible. If I hear something with my own handwriting, I get to write in the margin of the Bible. You say, well, oh yeah, preacher, you just need, a, after the service, I'll help you. You can underline, press buttons and underline things and move things over here. and uh, That's good and everything, but it's not my handwriting. There's just something about writing with your handwriting down the things that God shows you and teaches you. If you were to, especially young people, since I know that's maybe the generation I'm speaking to more than anybody, but if you were to come to my office right now, I'd love to show you my high school Bible. I I love showing it because when you open it up, it it just looks like one big ink blotch. Thousands of things I've written down, like when I was 16, Jesus, I promise to remain pure before I get married. Help me to do that. Date preacher's name Jesus I'm going to try to read my Bible through this year would you help me to do that date, sermon title, preacher's name pages and pages of that just I don't think an electronic device is as personalized as a copy of God's word secondly it's not special I use my phone for so many things let's see, let me show you ready? All right. Nobody's enjoying this but me, I'm sure. Uh, Marco Polo. Okay, here's a message to Marco. Hey, Scott, you're, I'm Marco Polo you all the time. Not right now. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, how many steps did I walk? There it is. Good. All right. Yesterday, 12,550. Great. All right, let's go to Fox News app. Good. Tucked in between Fox News and Marco Polo is the Bible app. It's one of about 30 things I do with my phone. I only do one thing with this. Just one thing. Just one. I just, again, just sharing my heart with you. I just don't think electronic devices are special, like the Bible. It's not observable. You know, one of the things that I think frustrates people that teach and preach God's Word is, you don't know if somebody's really on their Bible if they're on their phone. It's like I have no clue. You know, you could be texting. You could be checking the score of the game because I preached too long. You know, you, you could be checking your account because it just hits you. Oh, man, I'm overdrawn. I got to. 
I mean, so, so we are on the phone and we're doing, and I'm not saying you're not on the Bible, but it's just one of those things where when you have your Bible, there's no question as to whether or not you're looking at the Bible. And sometimes I feel as if we've taken the electronic Bible and we've replaced this observable presence of concentration and focus on God's Word. And lastly, it's not inconvenient. It's just not inconvenient. You know, it's just, it's just something that is always there. The phone is always there. It's always on us. It's always in our hands. And convenience is not always an upgrade. I feel like sometimes we look at the Bible app or an app, and I love the Bible app. I have it, use it all the time. I'm not saying it's wrong. Obviously, I told you that initially. I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm sharing my heart because this is a good opportunity. But I, I feel like sometimes, you know, we... We don't use our Bibles, and our reason is it's just more convenient. You know, I just leave it at the house. You know, I know where it's at. We freak out more when we don't know where our phone is than we don't know where our Bible is. We would be more upset that we had to buy a new phone than if we had to buy a new Bible. And I'm just simply saying, I think it's worth it going out of your way to say, oh, I got to get my, let me get my Bible. It's observable. It's in my hand. And so I want to share those things with you because I'm so burdened that maybe Satan is even using potentially a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong, but at church, I just would challenge you to pray about, process, bring in a copy of God's Word. In closing, I want to say this. God, please forgive me for spinning my wheels trying to figure out your secrets. When so much has already been revealed to me. And I could be concentrating and living and enjoying and teaching and sharing what you've revealed to me. And yet sometimes, God, I'm over here wondering why. Spinning my wheels, wasting my time when I know you know what's best. Now, why are we doing all of this? Why is this so important? Well, let's finish the verse off, shall we? Here it is. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That, here it is, that we may do all the words of the law. That's what's important. What's important is that we do what we know, that we follow what God's taught us, that we obey what we know to obey. That's why the secret things we don't know, the revealed things we do know, they belong to us. Let's do what it says. Because God's word is God's provision for human happiness. That's what it's for. It provides the happiness, the joy, the fulfillment in our lives. This, my friends, is a victory verse that changes everything. Leave the why answer to God. And live in the revealed word of God. Get my focus, God, off what I don't get to know. And God, redouble my focus on what I do get to know. Would you pray that with me this morning? And may we leave this auditorium with a a heart more yielded to obey what we know. Follow God's precepts. Stay on mission. And may this victory verse explode in your heart like it has mine. Inspire for prayer, shall we?